Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Timonini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we are back and better than ever, but I do want to let people know that coming up on Sunday, I will be venturing into a world where I very rarely venture... I will be, yeah, I will be subbing in for James Marino on this week on Broadway. We will be recording at 9 a.m. So if anybody on Patreon wants to listen in live, James will be out of town, I believe, picking up his daughter from camp. He just said picking up my daughter and I can't do it remotely. So I'm guessing it's at camp. I think in the email, yeah, I think in the email he said that his daughter is doing a production of Be More Chill. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. So there you go. Great. Yeah. All right. Be more chill. Um, Try it. So I will be sitting in with, yeah, uh, today the temperature makes that uh, a little easier. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be sitting in with Peter and Michael to talk about shows that they have seen. And since I have been in town this week, presumably things that I have seen as well. Of course, if you want to listen to that live while, while we are recording and to get every Broadway Radio episode before it drops in the regular feed, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio and broadwayradio.com slash patreon. All right, Ashley, uh, not a ton of news came out on Monday, a slow summer Monday, um, but unfortunately, we do have a couple of passings that we want to talk about. First, the one that has been all over social media, for, at least from the theater community, there were um, some pretty monumental passings and deaths uh, over the weekend in other areas, but sticking to the theater stuff, uh, stage and screen icon Pat Carroll passed away over the weekend at the age of 95. Uh Really just a remarkable career. Uh, she was born in 1927 in Shreveport, Louisiana, and died on Cape Cod due to complications with pneumonia. She was an Emmy, Drama Desk, and Grammy Award winner, as well mm-hmm. as a Tony Award nominee. Perhaps most well-known, especially later in her career, although it's, you know, 30-plus years, yeah. um, as the voice of Ursula in the animated Absolutely. version of Disney's The Little Mermaid. Um, no doubt there. However, she did make her Broadway debut in 1955 in a review of sorts called Catch a mm-hmm. Star, which earned her a Tony nomination. Yep. Um, she appeared on Broadway three more times, once in the 80s, once in the early 90s, once again in the late 90s. Um, and she did a ton of theater around the country as well, including productions of uh, Anything Goes, where yep. she played Reno Sweeney. Mm-hmm. She was in Romeo and Juliet and Cinderella and... She played Mrs. Mears in the out-of-town really? pre-Broadway yeah. production of Thoroughly Modern Millie. Much of that cast was overhauled, including uh, Aaron Dilley, who was supposed to originally play the part, but who did not ever go on. Sutton Foster replaced her after Kristen Chenoweth, of course, mm-hmm. did the role in all of the workshops, and she left to go do her TV show. Um, but lots of things. B. Arthur, I think, was actually I think so. Mrs. Yeah. Mears in a lot of the workshops and stuff. Um so somebody who had just had a, a really remarkable career, but I don't, it's kind of weird. Like she did a ton of voice stuff later in her career, obviously voiced Ursula a lot for Disney over yeah, the years, and everything. Um, but also did. Yeah. But, but from including video yeah. games and all this stuff, but she would pop up in all these shows. Um, she was a, a regular cast member on the Danny Thomas show in the early sixties, but also would pop up on things like, uh, Laverne and Shirley and Love Boat and Trepper John MD. D and ER and things Carol over the Burnett years. Show. Um, yeah, Mary Tyler Moore. Carol Burnett. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just all over the place. Um, and somebody who I, I think for a lot of theater people, even though you might not have known her name, might not have known what she looked like, might not have known anything about her career 
other than Ursula. Yeah. Like, she is undoubtedly influential. That's kind of the one of those weird things where you have an actor who has been or had been performing so long in so many different ways. And, you know, in that era, like I said, of Carol Burnett and Mary Tyler Moore, and then to kind mm-hmm. of only be reduced, unfortunately, to one role, as great of a role as it is. I mean, let's be yeah. realistic. Ursula is completely influential to me as a human being. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and being, being based on a drag queen at that, I mean, to kind of yeah. take that role divine. and make it divine, to make it so iconic and to have one of the best villain songs in Disney history. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that you get reduced to that singular role, it's, but it's, it's a great it's, damn role to be reduced to. Yeah, it's it's poor and unfortunate it for her soul. It is poor be, and unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, crank up poor on un- poor unfortunate soul uh, tonight. You know pour one out. Um, you know, you, you can always use a little bit extra body language as well if you want to celebrate. Ah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all of our best to everybody who loved Pat Carroll, both as a performer and an individual and Godspeed to her. Um, unfortunately, we do have another passing that has been fairly prevalently discussed on social media over the past few days in theater circles, whether it was from folks that knew and worked with Darius Barnes or just people who, mm-hmm. um, know of his influence. Uh, Darius Barn was a veteran Broadway dancer and choreographer, and he died at the age of 34. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this past week, he made his Broadway debut in the ensemble of Memphis, later appeared in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, Cinderella, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Mean Girls, and Kiss Me Kate. He was also... Um, a, an associate choreographer for Kimberly Kimmel yeah, off Broadway. And coming up on um, Broadway, too. He was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no real details about his passing were discussed, but I saw many, many people on social media uh, lamenting yeah. his passing and talking about what an unbelievable soul and light that he was in every room that he stepped in. Um, yeah. Obviously, our thoughts go out to everybody who worked with him, everybody who loved him, um, the cast and company of Kimberly Akimbo. I'm sure that they will do something to honor him when that show does make it to Broadway this fall. But uh, there is going to be a celebration of his life and mm-hmm. work forthcoming. No details of that have been uh, announced, but uh, our thoughts are with him and everybody who loved him. Yeah, what you just mentioned um, is supposed to be through Dance Theater of Harlem, so absolutely watch out for any announcements that come for them. 34, too damn young. Yep, absolutely. Um, All right, so as I said, there's not a ton of news, but... um, I figured this would be a good time since you and I spent... You've been busy. Yeah, you and I spent a lot of time talking about company on yesterday's show. But I wanted to True. go through the other shows that um, I have seen so far. Of course, I'll talk um, about them a little bit on this week on Broadway, but I, I want to get into some of them here um, just because so many listeners have asked. Uh, of course... I started off with the She NYC Festival performance of To Free a Mockingbird. You know that we love everything Grace does. It was illuminating, insightful, and so delicately told. Um, to know this story is to know a part of Grace that you might not hear mm-hmm. here on uh, today on Broadway. So if you have an opportunity to... Uh, get a ticket to the streaming performances, which are still available uh, at the She NYC Arts uh, website, which we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, 
It, you really should. It's really remarkable what Grace has been able to do with this story, and I hope that she continues to get the opportunity to tell this story. Um, this oh, is yeah. only part of her story, as some of you might, you know, imagine. This is a very specific part of of her background, uh, but it is very well done, very well told, and I highly recommend everybody getting a chance to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Irish rep, I guess if I'm looking at the clock, by the time this comes out, uh, the Butcher Boy will officially be open so I can, ha- I can share my thoughts on this show. I interviewed, oh, yeah, I interviewed, um, the writer Asher Muldoon, who wrote the book, music and lyrics for this show, um, in a special episode that dropped over this past weekend. Um, it is based on a Irish surrealist, fairly violent novel from the early 1990s um and it's set in the 1960s it's a show that follows a boy named uh francie uh who has some very very serious mental health issues and they are um part of his family lineage his mother also suffers from some mental health issues uh, as Dead we line. see yeah <laughs> as we see um <laughs> i i will say this is the first this is the world premiere production i i definitely think that it needs to continue to kind of work to come to its final form uh, as with a lot of shows early in their development a lot of the songs uh, don't really differentiate themselves they as i talked with asher about he tried to have a lot of different musical styles in there because francie mm-hmm. is influenced by a lot of the things that he watches and a lot of the things that he reads, like a lot of comic books, he loves westerns, and there is a there is a, a difference in those things um, across some of the songs, but none of them necessarily stand out tremendously. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that I hope that he continues to refine the score a little bit, but the performances were really, really fantastic. As Francie Brady um, was Nicholas Barish most recently of the National Tour of Hades Town. Of course, folks know him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess most recently from She Loves Me on Broadway, but that was not his Broadway yeah. debut by any by any means. Um, but also in the cast playing his um, uh, dad was Scott Stangland, who was one of the uh, members of the great comic cast and also went on as Pierre uh, a number of times as well. Um, his mother is played by Andrea Lynn Green. <laughs> Carrie Conte is in the cast and she plays three different mm. characters, all of them named Mary, um, which is of fun. Course. And Chris, it's, it's in, it's in Ireland, set in Ireland. So everybody's named exactly. Mary there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian Strange plays, uh, Francie's best friend, Joe. And, and everybody in the cast is, is really, really good. I, I think that the material good. needs a little bit of development. Um, but I enjoyed it. If you're up for something that's a little it's violent. A good start. Yeah. If you're up for something that's a little violent, a little, um, outside nah, the it. traditional, <laughs> whatever. Um, that would be a, a good one for you over at Irish Rip playing through September 11th. Then I went straight from there over to Asylum NYC to see Titanic uh, off-Broadway. This is the latest kind of parody musical um, that is, you know, kind of really catching fire. And I got to tell you, even as somebody who is not somebody who knows a ton of the Celine Dion catalog beyond, you know, the ones that everybody knows um this my was, heart will go on for instance yeah, yeah i mean but there i mean there's others obviously but um of this course. was a ton of fun and i've only seen titanic probably once and i think i fell asleep in the movie theater when i saw what? it with my my friend uh, leslie stein back in high school i remember we saw it together <laughs> and um 
I think I fell asleep. We sat in the front row and I think I fell asleep. But it was co-written by uh, Marla Mendel, who plays Celine Dion, and Constantine Rasuli, who plays uh, Jack. And the other co-author is Ty Blue, who is the show's director. Um, Marla Mendel plays Celine Dion. If you aren't familiar with Marla Mendel, she originated the role of Sister Mary Roberts in Sister Act on Broadway. She mm-hmm. is unfreaking believable like she is incredible doing a pitch perfect saturday night live-esque celine dion impression um <laughs> who is it um that used to do the uh um kathy lee gifford impression on saturday night live oh um, god Kristen um, Wiig. It's, it's a very Kristen yeah, Wiig, yeah, yeah. kathy lee gifford kind of thing very funny but but the thing is is like she's got vocals that you're like oh yeah that sounds like celine dion um Amazing. which is a little which is a little funny because like one of the people who does the best celine dion impression in the world is ariana grande and her brother frankie grande plays <laughs> yeah. victor garber in the show now he does not play the captain That's of the ship so he funny. plays victor garber he is victor garber ta- yeah he is discussed as victor garber they call him Victor Garber in the show. It's hilarious. As they should. As they should. Um, Constantine Rasuli, who I most recently saw in the, uh, I guess it was a f- uh, eventually authorized, but originally unauthorized Cruel Intentions parody musical, um, where he played Ooh, the Ryan Phillippe role. Get the rights. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Um, but <laughs> so he was also great. The entire cast, uh, Kathy Deach as Molly Brown, Ryan Duncan as Rose's mother, Ruth, uh, Alex Ellis as Rose, um, John Riddle, former, um, Broadway radio guest, uh, played Cal, the Billy Zane part. Jay Alexander played a number of roles, including the iceberg. Um, so really <laughs> tons of fun. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Um, really, really fun. I enjoyed the hell of it eleanor scott who's popping up everywhere is the choreographer she of course choreographed not only mr saturday night but um uh funny girl on broadway i saw her do a number mm-hmm. on so you think you can dance a few weeks ago really fun love it i it's especially if you love titanic or celine dion this is something you cannot miss which apparently you don't considering you fell asleep during I titanic mean, I don't, and don't know it i was sleep. 17 <laughs> i was 17 when the movie came out or whatever but i mean uh, 16 maybe that's even. a stellar review that you like it, even though yeah. it's uh you're indifferent to every other part of it yes yeah there you go yeah, i mean it's not that i'm indifferent i, I it's fine it's good yeah. um <laughs> so the uh, uh from there my third show on saturday i went up to the nyu skirball center for the first time ever and saw elevator repair services production of seagull of course based on anton Chekhov's the seagull um i had no familiarity with elevator repair service other than by name and reputation of course mm-hmm. they did gats a number of years ago where they read and then acted out the entire novel of the great Gatsby yeah. to get around copyright laws at the time. It is now, um, free use yep. because it is the uh, copyrights public expired. Domain. Um, public domain. That's the word I was looking for. Gotcha. Uh, but this was really, really a f- interesting, weird production. One of the best curtain speeches I've ever seen in my life. Um, mm. it's closed now. It closed on the 31st, but, um, really, really interesting. I don't, no, uh, the seagull super well. So like I was able to follow along a little bit just because of basic familiarity with the story. Um, but it really did kind of play like its own thing, even though it was set in 
Russia and, you know, had the same kind of plot. But the way that they did things was very avant-garde, very experimental, which is very much what ER, uh, ERS does. So my first experience with Elevator Repair Service was a thumbs up. Um, I'm glad I got a chance to see it after I was originally supposed to see it in February, then in early July, and then in late July, um, went all, <laughs> all over the place. The place it yeah. bounced around because of their schedules and my schedules. Um, but glad I got to see it. Then, of course, I saw a company, which you and I talked about quite a bit yesterday. True. Uh, and then from that, I went, I saw the closing performance of Company, the Tony winner for Best Revival of a Musical, yes. and then went downtown to see the closing performance of the 2022 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama. Busy Fat closing Man. day. Yeah. Always be closing. Always be closing. Thank you, uh, he who will not be named. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, R- Robbie Rosell and I went and saw Fat Ham, and, uh, it was so much fun. I know you and I think you and Grace saw it together, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. And it's, waxed poetic about how much yeah. we adored it. Yeah. I think Robbie and I were a little less um, enthusiastic about it, but both enjoyed it a lot. That's um, fine. Really, it's really wrong, liked it. The, but it's fine. It's, we didn't dislike it. We thought it was great and really well done. The performances are spectacular. I was waiting for like one more aha moment, I think. Um, it, I was waiting for one level to take it from like really good to like, oh, that's why it's a Pulitzer Prize winner. And that never mm. hit me. Um, maybe, be, maybe the fact that it was a Pulitzer Prize winner, like changed my expectations for what it would that's be. That's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. But. Super great. As somebody who loves adaptations of Shakespeare and who loves Shakespeare, like it was so intelligently well done, um, on how yes. that translates from Hamlet to Fat Ham. Um, and the weaving in of the, um, sexual orientation conversations, the LGBTQIA mm-hmm. plus conversations in there, which is interesting because you think in a show, especially in today day, today's day and age, like that would be at the forefront of a lot of the conversation. And maybe it is, and I'm just missing it, but like in terms of what you see on stage, like it is very much part of the story, but it, it doesn't feel like it's the story. You know what I mean? Actually, like it's no, absolutely. It, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it is being billed as like a fat queer southern hamlet, which it is, yeah. but also that is not necessarily primarily the point of the show. It is no. deep down in its roots, and it certainly is in the ending when it decides it no yes. longer wants to be a tragedy and is now a comedy, which beautiful, brilliant, love it, want to see it again, wish I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly woven in and is the, I would say the co-primary storyline, but well, it's not the sole primary storyline. And what I think, what I think I appreciated most about it was that the characters, especially the, the queer ones or, you know, however they want to describe themselves, um, they're fully formed human beings with, with more to their yes. personalities than just being, than being queer. queer. And I think that's maybe what I'm kind of getting at is that like they had issues with family members beyond just their sexual identity. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of was refreshing when, um, you know, not to put it up against the previous Pulitzer Prize winner, um, for, for drama, which was also about a, queer black uh individual uh, even fat queer black individual um where that is mm-hmm. so much of the conversation in a strange loop this was like a little bit of the conversation and yeah. and interpersonal stuff which that obviously informs was also um a part of it but i got to say the the main character in here juicy played by marcel spears yes. phenomenal Incredible, and it's so interesting yeah. when you 
when you look at his bio, like so much of it, like done so much at classic mm-hmm. stage companies, done so much like, um, like actual classic Shakespeare yep. and all that stuff. So when you're like, oh, that makes a ton of sense that he's able to navigate this story in such a way that like f- still feels like it has the epicness of Shakespeare while still being completely grounded in a modern character. Um, I thought he, I thought he totally. was fantastic. Um, I really, everybody was great. Um, I really had a soft spot for Tio, mm-hmm. who is the Horatio, um, yeah. equivalent, who's only there in the beginning and the end. Tons of fun. Um, Billy Eugene Jones plays Rev mm-hmm. and Pap, who are essentially Claudius and, uh, the ghost of yeah. Hamlet's father. He plays both. Um, really everybody was fantastic. I, I hope I get a chance to see it again. And yes. this is a show that I think because it's a small cast, because of the Pulitzer Prize, will have an opportunity to be produced around the country. And I'm very, very happy for that. And, uh, and because it's still Shakespeare. I mean, it's still Shakespeare, yes, but a modern absolutely. adaptation of it. And every theater company wants to, much to my chagrin, constantly produce Shakespeare. So do it this uh, way. I love Shakespeare. I God, do too. I love but, Shakespeare. Oh, there you go. There you go. You, right. you sucked me back in. I know. Um, anyway, so that is all that I have in terms of my shows. I will update you. I am seeing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof on Monday night uh, mm-hmm. with Grace. And Ashley, you and I are seeing um, Into the Woods on Tuesday night. That's true. I'm seeing Come From Away from the Front Row, my first ever time on Broadway seeing this show. Um, in the afternoon on Wednesday. And then I'm seeing something, I think, on Wednesday night. Um, interestingly enough, Ashley, you don't know this yet but um oh. my i i don't think sister-in-law is the right term because mm. she's not actually married to my brother but might as well be um yeah she is coming with me and grace to see uh, her name is erica she's in town for work she works for disney um she's coming with us to see cat on a hot tin roof on monday night she's also mm-hmm. going to be going to into the woods um on, oh, on, on tuesday That's exciting. So, yeah so awesome. you'll get to me- you'll get to meet erica as well so success um Anyway, okay, real quick, um, f- uh, feel good recommendations. I recorded almost all of the curtain call and speeches at the end of company. Yeah, I you put did. Th- I put them on my Instagram. I have a link in that if you want to hear the four. 15,000 uh, Chris Harper signs my salary, pays my salary jokes. They are in there. But Marion Elliott yeah. looking like a effervescent watermelon in her skirt. Um, that is in there as well. She is perfect in every way. Um, so I have that. Also, Netflix released the title number from their upcoming uh, screen adaptation of 13, 13 Musical. Yeah. Um, so you're just about to turn, just about to turn 13. 13. Um, that is coming out on Netflix on August 12th actually so why they couldn't hold it one day you know (laughs) i know seriously just put it on the 13th damn it Uh, but anyway that'll be in the show notes as well so all right everybody thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at broadway radio you can find me on social media at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on twitter and instagram and know this is ashley all right everybody have a wonderful tuesday and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow 